Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the book of Psalms, Psalm 19, beginning at verse 1. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heaven. Excuse me, the sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandment of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the me- excuse me, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. All of Psalm 19. Thank you, Father, once again for the gift, the wonderful gift of your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being able to open your word and spend time with you one-on-one every single day. Thank you, Father, for how that as we do that, we're, by your grace and mercy, spending time one-on-one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fact that you take all the time with us that we'll take with you. Lord, help us to be wise enough to make it the high priority in our lives you would have us to make it, to spend time with you one-on-one every day as we sit in your presence, as we read and meditate on your word. With every passing day, more and more, empower us to fall more in love with you and with your word with every passing day. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson, and thank you for being a part of our listening family. Uh, We'll be reading through the Word of God today, but as we begin here, first we're going to share an article or two. This initial article is entitled, The Arsenal of the Word of God. Again, The Arsenal of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. 
And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, Ephesians 6, 17. And then finally, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 20. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 20. What is an arsenal? And how could the written word of God contain one? Interesting questions. Definitions of the word arsenal include the following. A collection of weapons and military equipment stored by a country, person, or group. Another definition says a place where weapons and military equipment are stored or made. In considering the reality that life in this world is full of spiritual warfare, believers would be wise to do the following. Learn and comprehend what the spiritual weapons are that are available to us and faithfully use them as a lifestyle in order to walk in victory. In other words, followers of Christ need to know what is in our spiritual arsenal, and we are to put these weapons to work in our lives daily. We are to diligently start using them on the battlefields of life on a daily basis. Some people may ask, I don't like the idea of having to deal with spiritual warfare. Well, like it or not, we face it every day of our lives. Whether we like it or not, war has come to us every day. What are some of those spiritual weapons, and what are some of the ways we're to put those weapons to work? The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Some of the ways to utilize the sword of the Spirit include, number one, reading the Word of God daily. See Psalm 1, verses 1 to 6. Number two, hearing the Word daily. See Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Number three, believing the Word daily. See Romans 1, 16. Number four, speaking the Word daily. See Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 to, excuse me see Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 11 number 5 praying the word daily see 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 to 15 number 6 obeying the word of God daily see James chapter 1 verse 22 and number 7 meditating on the word of God daily see Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 praise and thanksgiving are spiritual weapons as well See 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. Joy is, a, is a, joy is a powerful spiritual weapon. See Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Faith is a spiritual weapon. See 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Walking in love is a spiritual weapon. See 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Obviously, the spiritual weapons pointed out here are only a few. There are many more referred to in God's precious and powerful word. How very important it is 
to know the truth and to understand the truth about putting God's Word to work. A very important truth to know and understand is that when we put to use these spiritual weapons, we're building up the kingdom of God. Also, as we use these weapons, we're doing battle against the kingdom of darkness and tearing the kingdom of darkness down. So this is one of the many reasons that every disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ needs to be a diligent student of the Word of God. We would be wise to continually learn more about the spiritual weapons found in the Word of God, and we must continually learn more about how to do battle with every spiritual weapon we have because spiritual conflict is not something we deal with only from time to time. Spiritual conflict is something we deal with every day of our lives. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find a powerful example of a king of Judah, specifically King Jehoshaphat, who wisely used the spiritual weapons available to him to defeat a wicked invading army. This account in Scripture powerfully illustrates that when we faithfully and wisely use weapons from our spiritual arsenal, as found in the Word of God, we can see great victory in our lives. Again, that story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We encounter spiritual warfare every day and everywhere we go. Let's be faithful to be kingdom warriors who know how to take some of the weapons we have in the Word of God and use them to walk in victory every single day. Again, the title of that article, The Arsenal of the Word of God. And then another article is simply entitled, The Wonderful Ministry of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Again, John 14, 26. Then Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Then Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Again, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the church is commanded, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The three persons of the Godhead, the Trinity, are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and He is very present and at work throughout the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit is active and involved. The Holy Spirit, in fact, permeates the Word of God. The Holy Spirit has several unique and very interesting names and or titles found in the Word of God. Some of them include the Holy Ghost, the Helper, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Hand of God, the Breath of God. The Holy Spirit is a fire. He is a river. He's the anointing. He's the kingdom of God. He's the blessing. He is grace. And the list could go on and on. Every name or title of the Holy Spirit has great insight and meaning behind it. And believers could easily do a whole Bible study on each name or title. We're very wise to consider and meditate on the titles and names of the Holy Spirit. Let's consider two of his titles. 
The Holy Spirit is the, is the Comforter. John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Why do we need a comforter? One reason that we need a comforter is, is because so often life can hurt. Life can bring pain, pressure, and difficulty. It can sting and burn. Sadly, often people look for ways to alleviate the pain of life in many of the wrong places. Too many try to soothe their pain with alcohol or drugs or wrong relationships. Sometimes people indulge in unhealthy lifestyles just to try to numb the pains and the pains of life. The blessed Holy Spirit can comfort us in ways that no one or nothing else can. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, the source of all comfort, enters their heart and life. And with the Holy Spirit comes peace, joy, wisdom, and encouragement, to name just a few of the blessings. Now, very often, we believers must allow ourselves to be stirred up by the Holy Spirit inside of us to sense His presence. Yet He's always there. We, we can be stirred by the Holy Spirit by reading the Word of God. We can be stirred by the Spirit by praising and worshiping the Lord and by expressing thanks and gratitude to God. We can receive and sense His comfort and encouragement that only He can give. The Holy Spirit is a fire. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Again, Exodus 3, verses 2 and 3. Then Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. Again, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Again, the title of this article, The Wonderful Ministry of the Holy Spirit. We'll be right back. Toby Mac with 
Beyond Me. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Uh, the, the article that we were reading just before the break was entitled The Wonderful Ministry of the Holy Spirit and didn't quite finish the article. But again, if you'd like to get a copy of the full article, simply email us again, that email, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. And the first article as well, the title, The Arsenal of the Word of God, if you'd like to get one or both, same email, joseph at afr.net. We now pick up now in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Then all the Israelites were united as one man, from Dan to the north to Beersheba in the south, including those from across the Jordan in the land of Gilead. The entire, the entire community assembled in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people and the tribes of Israel, 400,000 warriors armed with swords, took their positions in the assembly of the people of God. Word soon reached the land of Benjamin that the other tribes had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites then asked how this terrible crime had happened. The Levite, the husband of the woman, who had been murdered, said, My concubine and I came to spend the night in Gibeah, a town that belongs to the people of Benjamin. That night some of the leading citizens of Gibeah surrounded the house planning to kill me, and they raped my concubine until she was dead. So I cut her body into twelve pieces and sent the pieces throughout the territory assigned to Israel, for these men have committed a terrible and shameful crime. Now then, all of you, the entire community of Israel, must decide here and now what should be done about this. And all the people rose to their feet in unison and declared, None of us will return home, no, not even one of us. Instead, this is what we will do. To Gibeah, we will draw lots to decide who will attack it. One-tenth of the men from each tribe will be chosen to supply the warriors with food, and the rest of us will take revenge on Gibeah of Benjamin for this shameful thing they have done They have done in Israel. So all the Israelites were completely united, and they gathered together to attack the town. The Israelites sent messengers to the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What a terrible thing has been done among you. Give up those evil men, those troublemakers from Gibeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of this evil. But the people of Benjamin would not listen. Instead, they came from their towns and gathered at Gibeah to fight against the Israelites. In all, 26,000 of their warriors armed with swords arrived in Gibeah to join the 700 elite troops who lived there. Among Benjamin's elite troops, 700 were left-handed, and each one of them could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. Israel had 400,000 experienced soldiers armed with swords, not counting Benjamin's warriors. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah. 
Then they advanced toward Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But the Benjamin's warriors, who were defending the town, came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions and took their positions against at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord said, Go out and fight against them. So the next day they went out again to fight against the men of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Bethel. And Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, the Israelites asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord said, go, tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites set an ambush all around Gibeah. They went out on the third day and took their positions at the same place as before. When the, when the men of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town. And as they had done before, they began to kill the Israelites. About 30 Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads, one leading to Bethel and the other leading back to Gibeah. Then the warriors of Benjamin shouted, we're defeating them as we did before. But the Israelites had planned to advance, but the Israelites had planned in advance to run away so that the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from the town. When the main group of Israelite warriors reached Baal Temar, they turned and took up their positions. Meanwhile, the Israelites hiding in ambush to the west of Gibeah, jumped up to fight. There were 10,000 elite Israelite troops who advanced against Gibeah. The fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin, and that day the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin's warriors, all of whom were experienced swordsmen, then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. The Israelites had retreated from Benjamin's warriors in order to give those hiding in ambush more room to maneuver against Gibeah. Then those who were hiding rushed in from all sides and killed everyone in the town. They had arranged to send up a large cloud of smoke from the town as a signal. When the Israelites saw the smoke, they turned and attacked Benjamin's warriors. By that time, Benjamin's warriors had killed about 30 Israelites, and they shouted, We're defeating them as we did in the first battle. But when the, air, but when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them, 
But when the excuse me, but when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them and saw the smoke rising into the sky from every part of the town, the men of Israel turned and attacked. At this point, the men of Benjamin became terrified because they realized disaster was close at hand. So they turned around and fled before the Israelites toward the wilderness, but they couldn't escape the battle. And the people who came out of the nearby towns were also killed. The Israelites surrounded the men of Benjamin and chased them relentlessly, finally overtaking them east of Gibeah. That day, 18,000 of Benjamin's strongest warriors died in battle. The survivors fled into the wilderness toward the rock of Rimmon, but Israel killed 5,000 of them along the road. They continued the chase until they had killed another 2,000 near Giddam. So that day, the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 strong warriors armed with swords, leaving only 600 men who escaped to the Rock of Rimmon, where they lived for four months. And the Israelites returned and slaughtered every living thing in all the towns, the people, the livestock, and everything they found. They also burned down all the towns they came to. Judges chapter 21. The Israelites had vowed at Mizpah, we will never give our daughters in marriage to a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now the people went to Bethel and sat in the presence of God until evening, weeping loudly and bitterly. O Lord God of Israel, they cried out, why has this happened in Israel? Now one of our tribes is missing from Israel. Early the next morning, the people built an altar and presented their burnt offerings and peace offerings on it. Then they said, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah when we held our assembly in the presence of the Lord? At that time, they had taken a solemn oath in the Lord's presence vowing that anyone who refused to come would be put to death. The Israelites felt sorry for their brother Benjamin and said, Today, one of the tribes of Israel has been cut off. How can we find wives for the few who remain, since we have sworn by the Lord not to give them our daughters in marriage? So they asked, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah when we assembled in the presence of the Lord. And they discovered that one, and they discovered that no one from Jabesh, from Jabesh Gilead had attended the assembly. For after they counted all the people, no one from Jabesh Gilead was present. So the assembly sent 12,000 of their best warriors to Jabesh Gilead with orders to kill everyone there, including women and children. This is what you are to do, they said. Completely destroy all the males and every woman who is not a virgin. Among the residents of Jabesh Gilead, they found 400 young virgins who had never slept with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The Israelite assembly sent a peace delegation to the remaining people of Benjamin, who were living in the Rock of Rimmon. Then the men of Benjamin returned to their homes, and the 400 women of Jabesh Gilead, who had been spared, were given to them as wives. 
but there were not enough women for all of them. The people felt sorry for Benjamin because the Lord had made this gap among the tribes of Israel. So the elders of the assembly asked, How can we find wives for the few who remain, since the women of the tribe of Benjamin are dead? There must be heirs for the survivors, so that an entire tribe of Israel is not wiped out. But we cannot give them our own daughters in marriage, because we have sworn with a solemn oath that anyone who does this will fall under God's curse. Then they thought of the annual festival of the Lord held in Shiloh, south of Labona and north of Bethel, along the east side of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. They told the men of Benjamin, who still needed wives, go and hide in the vineyards. When you see the young women of Shiloh come out for their dances, rush out from the vineyards, and each of you can take one of them home to the land of Benjamin to be your wife. And when their fathers and brothers come to us in protest, we will tell them, please be sympathetic. Let them have your daughters, for we didn't find wives for all of them, which we destroyed when we destroyed Jabesh Gilead. And you are not guilty of breaking the vow since you did not actually give your daughters to them in marriage. So the men of Benjamin did as they were told. Each man caught one of the women as she danced in the celebration and carried her off to be his wife. They returned to their own land and they rebuilt their towns and lived in them. Then the people of Israel departed by tribes and families and they returned to their own homes. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. End of the book of Judges. The book of Ruth, chapter 1, and we'll get to that at the next broadcast as we begin the book of Ruth. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have of being able to read your word and obey your word and follow your word. Father, anoint us afresh with the spirit of grace. Help us to grow in our understanding of the great importance of us filling our hearts and our minds with the word every day and empower each of us to be much more faithful hearers and doers and help us, Lord, to be wise enough to teach and train our children and our grandchildren and the young people we have a chance to, to disciple. Help us to teach them the critically important place of the spiritual habit of reading your word every single day, of filling their minds and their hearts with your word daily. Thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. Thank you for the blessings that flow into our hearts and our minds and our lives as we read and meditate on your word in each, each and every day. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we continue reading through the word of God. We'll be right back.
music of Elevation Worship with O Sing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, Antichicus, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. After the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Paul went by land to Asos, where he had arranged for us to join him while we traveled by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day, we sailed past the island of Chios. The following day, we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later, we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. 
and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now, and now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will, will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. I have coveted, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Acts chapter 21. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day, we reached Rhodes and then went to Patara. There we boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was to unload its cargo. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. When we returned to the ship, at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went aboard, and they returned home. The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for one day. The next day, we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philippi the Evangelist, excuse me, and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had, he had four unmarried daughters 
who had the gift of prophecy. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, The Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But he said, Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to the home of Nason, a man originally from Cyprus and one of the early believers. When we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God, and then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Verses 1 through 22, Acts chapter 21. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God. And once again, as we normally do, of course, I want to remind you, pretty regularly we encourage you, if you don't have the habit of reading at least three chapters in your Bible, we're in, we encourage you to start that habit. Remember this, the spiritual habit of reading the Word of God daily is much more important than I believe any of us really grasp. Remember, when you're reading the Word of God, you're spending time one-on-one -on -one with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's pouring counsel, wisdom, grace, power, and so much more into our hearts and our minds, and we really, really do need that. May every single listener commit to being a diligent student of His Word daily and also helping your children, having your children read three chapters out loud to you every day as well, because, again, I can't overemphasize the fact that there's, there's nothing our children need more than the precious, powerful Word of God. And as you have them to read out loud to you, you're seeing to it that they're helping to plant the eternal Word of God in their hearts and their minds. Hope that you'll start that habit. Lord, anoint us all afresh with the grace that would encourage us to be diligent students of your Word and help us to be wise enough to help our children do the same each and every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. <clears throat> Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important and critical decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, today is a great day, a wonderful day to be saved, a great day to 
to commit your life to the Lord and be saved and receive eternal life. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me with an everlasting love. Thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived your life, and you died on the cross to pay for all my sins and all the wrongs I've ever done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent. By faith, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. You told us in your word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to make a connection with you and be in touch with you. My email, once again, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and put down roots deep in your new walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please be sure and get in touch with us once again. That number, joseph at afr.net. We definitely hope to be in touch with you. Thanks for listening again. And also, if you'd like to get copies of the articles we shared earlier, the two articles, the titles were The Arsenal of the Word of God for the first article. The second article, The Wonderful Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Simply email us, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get you one or both articles. Just let us know that that's what you'd like to receive again. Joseph at afr.net. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.